0: Hi there, this is Michael C. Patterson, your host for the MindRamp podcasts. In this episode, I'm going to explore the nature of mystical experiences and how they relate to our efforts to unmuddle our minds. The core idea that I'm exploring is that we can unmuddle our minds by following a strategy that I have recently dubbed the hemispheric gelassenheit. Gelassenheit is a German term coined by the Christian mystic Meister Eckhart in the Middle Ages. The essence of it is that to find peace of mind, we have to let go of beliefs and habits that cause us conflict and confusion, which then makes it easier to open our minds to mindsets that are happier and healthier. Gelassenheit the the core term, German term is lassen, meaning to Let go. And it's letting go in the sense of releasing what you have, but also letting go to your resistance to what might come in. So we can get a better idea of what kinds of thought patterns we need to get rid of and which we need to embrace by understanding the different ways that our left hemisphere and right hemispheres interpret reality. As a broad generalization, the left hemisphere's view of existence is distorted yet it has come to dominate the way we think. To unmodel our minds and find greater peace of mind, therefore, we need to pull away from left hemisphere perspectives and replace them with right hemisphere perspectives, which are much more holistic, integrated, collaborative, and nurturing. So we are combining the understanding of how our two hemispheres create very different kinds of thought patterns and and different states of mind, and by understanding those differences, we can figure out what we need to get rid of, and what we need to cultivate and nurture, hence the hemispheric Galassenheit strategy. So, what does this have to do with mysticism? I believe that this process of finding release from left hemisphere modes of interpreting existence and becoming engulfed in right hemisphere modes is precisely what happens during a so-called mystical experience. The right hemisphere perspective of existence is the mystical vision. So that's the setup. Keep this in mind as we look at some descriptions of mystical experiences. As a way of introduction, let me recall the story of Jill Bolte-Taylor, the neuroanatomist who suffered a massive stroke in her left hemisphere. During her eight years of recovery, Bolte-Taylor operated primarily through her right hemisphere. In her book, My Stroke of Insight, she describes life in the right hemisphere as follows, quote, My consciousness shifted into a perception that I was at one with the universe. Since that time, I have come to understand how it is that we are capable of having a mystical or metaphysical experience relative to our brain anatomy, end quote. The key points are that Bolte-Taylor felt that she had a mystical experience— And further, she associates the change in consciousness with brain anatomy, with the quieting of the left hemisphere and the almost total reliance on the right hemisphere. Bolte Taylor found life in her right hemisphere, her mystical state of mind, so peaceful, so blissful, she was tempted to resist recovery of her left hemisphere. But of course, she realized that she and all of us need the perspectives of both hemispheres to operate effectively in everyday life. We need left and right hemispheres to collaborate, but under the guidance of the more sensible right hemisphere. The philosopher, writer, and speaker Jiddu Krishnamurti describes a kind of mystical experience that he experienced on a trip to India in 1979 Krishnamurti regularly experienced what he called, quote, a peculiar meditation, end quote, that would occur uninvited and unsought in the middle of the night. It was not a conscious, deliberate pursuit of meditation. He wasn't trying to meditate, although I do think meditation is one way to achieve aspects of a mystical experience. Nor was Krishnamurti seeking, as he put it, quote, some kind of unconscious desire to achieve something, end quote. These peculiar meditations just happened to him. Each event was different and new and could fill Krishnamurti with at times a sense of vast emptiness and at other times a sense of fathomless energy. In the middle of November 1977 in India, Krishnamurti describes the peculiar nocturnal meditations as having increased momentum until one night... He woke up to experience something totally different and new. He says, quote, The movement had reached the source of all energy. End quote. The source of all energy. He continues that quote, desire cannot possibly reach it, words cannot fathom it, nor can the string of thought wind itself around it. End quote. Krishnamurti recognizes that what he is describing might sound a bit outlandish. One may ask, he says, with what assurance do you state it is the source of all energy? One can only reply with complete humility that it is so. End quote. This is characteristic of a mystical experience. There is an unshakable sense that a profound truth has been realized, and an equally profound inability to provide a logical explanation for it. The truth is beyond words. Words are an inadequate medium to express the vast complexity of what has become evident. The mystical experience is beyond rationality. Krishnamurti can't provide any rational explanation for his revelation. He just knows intuitively that it is so. As I mentioned earlier, I suspect that mystical experiences occur when the world is experienced exclusively through the right hemisphere perspective, without any interference from the left hemisphere. One has a clear, undistorted vision of the big picture, devoid of any left hemisphere attempt at explanation and analysis, and therefore without the left hemisphere ability to provide a rational explanation. Krishnamurti is also quick to point out that his connection with the source of all energy quote, must in no way be confused with or even thought of as a god or the highest principle, the Brahman, which which are projections of the human mind out of fear and longing, the unyielding desire for total security. It is none of those things, end quote. From the hemispheric perspective, Krishnamurti seems to be saying that his revelation was clearly not a construct of his rational left hemisphere mind. God, the Brahman, the highest principle, these are all symbolic representations created by the left hemisphere. As Krishnamurti suggests, the left hemisphere creates deities and cosmologies that provide some kind of comfort to the mind, or at least to the left hemisphere mind. But what he experienced was different. What he experienced was something more, something that felt more real. He experienced a sense of unity with something that is beyond words, beyond description, and beyond real understanding. It's fascinating that he chose to describe the experience as unity with the source of all energy. Modern quantum field theory seems to suggest that the most fundamental element of existence is energy. Everything that exists is some kind of manifestation of energy, a, a ripple or a vortex in the vast flow of pulsing potential. I should note here that people who describe mystical experiences tend to describe the same kinds of experiences. Their explanations for what has happened, however, tend to reflect their own personal belief systems. If one believes in God, the mystical experience seems like a connection with a God, or with the God. If one is a Taoist, it feels like connection to the Way. This is the left hemisphere coming late to the game and trying to put some rational explanation onto the overwhelming intuition experienced by the right hemisphere. Jane Goodall, the famous primatologist and ecologist, describes a mystical experience she had in the spring of 1974. She was visiting the Cathedral of Notre-Dame de Paris, or I should say, Notre-Dame de Paris. The cathedral was largely empty, quiet and still, when suddenly the space was filled with organ music. Bach's Toccata and Fugue in D minor. As Goodall says, quote, I had always loved the opening theme, but in the cathedral, filling the entire vastness, it seemed to enter and possess my whole self. It was as though the music itself was alive, End quote. Cathedrals, of course, are designed to amplify the sense of awe And it was having its full effect on Goodall. The vastness and and grandeur of the cathedral, filled with the splendor of Bach's organ music, created the perfect setting and content to evoke a mystical experience. Goodall says, quote, That moment, a suddenly captured moment of eternity, was perhaps the closest I have ever come to experiencing ecstasy, the ecstasy of the mystic, end quote. Goodall, for a brief moment, escaped the confines of normal time and space and glimpsed the vastness of eternity. She did not feel confined by time as experienced by the left hemisphere, time which is broken into seconds, minutes, hours, into past, present and future. She experienced the endless flow of time or perhaps the utter suspension of time. The one spontaneous mystical moment I can point to in my life had a similar feeling. I was walking home in the middle of the night when I suddenly felt that time stood still just for me. I was exhausted, a little glum and feeling somewhat sorry for myself when a single magnolia blossom floated out of the black sky and settled into my cupped hand. I felt with an unaccountable certainty that existence had paused for a brief moment to show me that everything was all right. Everything was as it should be. Take this moment, Michael. Remember it. I've held on to that moment for close to 60 years, What Goodall and I may have experienced was a sudden quieting of the left hemisphere's obsession with defining things and breaking experience up into discrete segments that have defined borders, a a beginning and an end, a cause-and-effect relationship. Instead, we experienced a full release into the open, expansive, integrated embrace of lived experience as felt by the right hemisphere. No borders, no boundaries— No right, no wrong, no despair, no temporal or spatial constraints. Why must this mode of relating to life be so rare and fleeting? Goodall's mystical experience, like all mystical experience, was profoundly positive. She experienced a kind of ecstasy, the ecstasy of the mystic, as she put it. I experienced a deep sense of peace and well-being, a sense that, Things were as they should be and that I would be okay. No worries. Positivity is a defining characteristic of most mystical experiences. Some people who have mystical experience as a result of a psychedelic trip, for example, may report being disoriented and may experience disturbing images and emotions, yet invariably they consider the overall impact of the trip to be highly positive and beneficial. Another characteristic of a mystical experience is ineffability, the sense that the experience cannot possibly be described using language. Words are inadequate vehicles for describing something that is so directly experiential. The symbols of language are representations of reality. We do our best to describe what is happening using these symbols, but they regularly fall far short of the mark. This makes perfect sense, if I am correct, that a mystical experience involves quieting the left hemisphere and operating fully through a right hemisphere's perspective. The left hemisphere supports spoken language and logic. The right hemisphere is silent and intuitive, ineffable. Goodall had a second mystical experience, this time in the jungle, surrounded by her beloved chimps. Quote, Lost in the awe at the beauty around me, I must have slipped into a state of heightened awareness. It's hard, impossible really, to put into words the moment of truth that suddenly came upon me then. Even the mystics are unable to describe their brief flashes of spiritual ecstasy. End quote. Goddard goes on to describe another common characteristic of a mystical experience, a sense of the dissolution of self. Quote, It seemed to me as I struggled afterward to recall the experience that self was utterly absent. I and the chimpanzees, the earth and the trees and air seemed to merge, to become one with the spirit power of life itself. End quote. Note how Goodall describes the whatever it is out there that we feel united with as the spirit power of life. Once again, the experience is similar, but we describe it in ways that reflect our own belief systems. Our sense of self as a separate and unique entity, alone and alienated from everyone and everything that is not our self, is a product of the left hemisphere. The left hemisphere constructs our ego, our defined identity. If the left hemisphere is stilled and silenced during a mystical experience, we would expect the boundaries between self and others to fade and become more insubstantial. The characteristics of self morph from what makes us separate, distinct and alienated to an expansive sense of self that is intimately connected to everything. The word self becomes too confining It implies borders, a duality of self and others. In the mystic experience, the self as individual dissolves into the liquid flow of all things. The sense of unity with something greater than oneself is perhaps the most persistent and important characteristic of a mystical experience. Ian McGilchrist comments that the right hemisphere provides the human mind with the sense of depth in all things. Whereas left hemisphere perceptions tend to be flat and two-dimensional, the right hemisphere experiences the world in multiple dimensions with depth and perspective. When we can fully experience life through the right hemisphere, we can fully appreciate the depth, texture, and fullness of sights, sounds, and sensations of all that there is. Listen to how Goodall describes her mystical experience in the jungle. Quote, The air was filled with a feathered symphony, the even song of birds. I heard new frequencies in their music, and also in the singing insects' voices, notes so high and sweet I was amazed. Never had I been so intensely aware of the shape, the color of the individual leaves, the varied patterns of the veins that made each one unique. Scents were clear as well, easily identifiable, fermenting overripe fruit, waterlogged earth, cold, wet bark, the damp odor of chimpanzee hair, and yes, my own too, and the aromatic scent of young, crushed leaves was almost overpowering, end quote. Goodall wasn't a stranger to the sight, sounds, and smells of the jungle, but it took a mystical experience, perhaps a moment of heightened right hemisphere awareness, for her to experience the full depth of sensory experience that was available to her. Her description reminds us again of descriptions of psychedelic experiences. In my college years, I experimented once with LSD and a few times with mescaline, I particularly liked the altered state of consciousness brought about by Mescaline. It had the ability to add to the depth of sensory experience that that Goodall describes. What I remember most is that the world around me lost its thingness. The boundaries between object and field were dissolved. The world became a largely undifferentiated mosaic of sensory data, almost like an illuminated pointillist picture. The shards of light that made up a tree or a friend or a bicycle all sparkled and shone as, as one big light show. <laughs> what, I, what I still struggle to explain when recalling these trips is how I ever managed to walk around without bumping into things and falling on my face. I was perfectly capable of navigating the world. I was just experiencing it in a different way. Perhaps I had tapped into some altered state of consciousness that enabled me to see and hear reality through different receptors, or perhaps with heightened acuity, something like the way bats and dolphins use echolocation or the way dogs use their sense of smell. I'm pretty sure that my rational left hemisphere was Befuddled by this new way of experiencing the world. So it's likely that the psychedelics pushed me into a right hemisphere world. Well, to summarize, I believe that mystical experiences thrust us into a state of consciousness in which the left hemisphere is quieted and the right hemisphere takes over. I suspect that this profound shift in consciousness has a lasting beneficial effect on our minds. It's illuminating, a kind of revelation. Once we have seen the world through the holistic, integrated embrace of the right hemisphere perspective, we understand that our usual left hemisphere perspective is shallow, flat, lifeless, mechanical, and alienating. We experience a hemispheric Gelassenheit, a letting go of the distortions of the left hemisphere perspective and an opening to the awe and wonder of life as it really is. All right, that's it for now. Live long, live well, and here's hoping that you can experience a bit of more mystical wonder in your coming days.